Thank you, Lord. We can go ahead and grab a seat at home and here, just take a moment to pray and invite God to come and move in our hearts, Lord. On behalf of everybody listening today, as we open up your word, Lord, um, in praying for myself, I pray for them that you would soften the ground of our hearts today. Lord, it's my privilege to speak from your scriptures, but Lord, I need a word from you just as much as everybody else. So I invite your spirit to come, speak to me, speak to each one gathered here, speak to each one watching, no matter where they are or what time it is, God, we've come to hear from you. You have our attention today. We take a moment to still our hearts and quiet our souls, Lord, so that all that is left is you. Come and speak. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to be sharing from the Word today. It's my privilege uh, to do so. And uh, wherever you're watching from today, we're so glad that you've joined us. Um, and we're excited about what the Lord might have to say to all of us today. Amen. Wow, there's people in this room with me. This is so cool. Um, we've spent a lot of time uh, apart and distanced, and I'm really excited here at Faith City because we're getting ready to uh, uh, be together uh, more often, and um, that's an exciting thing. So we'll have some news about that coming out over the coming weeks. So I'd encourage you, uh, if you haven't already done so, follow us on uh, Instagram and on Facebook so that you can stay in the loop on what's happening and what those plans are. Uh, we'll be getting the information out that way. I also want to mention, too, that we have our annual business meeting coming up, and uh, we're required to mention that, so I want to mention that today. And again, stay tuned to the social media channels to, to be in the know of when that's happening. I believe it's the, September 22nd, uh, somewhere in around there, and uh, we invite your participation um, in that. So today, um, we're going to read a little bit from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or as some people like to say, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14, and it says this, for the love of Christ controls us or compels us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, or we regard no one from a worldly point of view, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Familiar scripture here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation or the message of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God 
was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm just going to invite you to pray with me one more time. Lord, again, we thank you for your word today. The Bible brings life, God. These scriptures breathe life into our hearts. And so as we consider them this morning, as we think on them, as we talk about them, uh, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to make them plain to us. Bring them to life in our hearts and minds so that we can be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's in an in-between time. We're heading into Labor Day weekend, and I always know it's Labor Day because I wear white, because I know it's the last time I can wear white because of Labor Day. I don't know where these rules come from, but I'd like to know where that one was established. You can't wear white after Labor Day. I don't know. It seems really silly, but it's this in-between time. Labor Day always signals in-between. Glenn talked about it a little bit last week. You know, the air is starting to change here in Nova Scotia, and that is true. It's cooling off. Um, but it's this in-between time. Summer doesn't really end till the 21st, but out here on the East Coast, it starts to get a little bit cooler, and we're in between. We're in between the, the summer, the relaxation, the late nights for kids. Soon they got to get up for school. Thank you, Jesus, whether they're homeschooled or going to school or starting school, and that's a great thing. Season of change, the in-between time. Today is the in-between message. We had a nice series that wasn't a series, a nice series called the Summer Single Serving Sermon Series. Say that seven times fast. I practiced. I did. I worked on it hard. We finished that up last week, and next week, or sorry, the 13th, yeah, next week we've got a great uh, series kicking off for you. Next week is our launch Sunday for the fall. We're going to be letting you know what's going on. Uh, Glenn's got a great word about vision, and it's going to be exciting, and this week is in between. That and what was, all the fun stuff and all the exciting stuff, and now you got me in between. It's the in-between week, in-between time, in-between the seasons. And really, we don't really like things too much that are in between. Like, think about this, the middle seat. Who likes the middle seat, right? You know, if you've got kids, you understand this battle. I never really understood it until I had children myself. And now, the middle seat, they, they argue over the middle seat. And here's the thing, I only have two kids. So why are they yelling at each other, but we don't want to sit in the middle seat? You don't have to sit in the middle seat. Or on the airplanes, if you travel, if you can't relate to the kids, you can relate to traveling. Nobody, you don't see anybody fighting to get that middle seat, you know, ne never happens, never happens, right? And it's almost like punishment, you know, you know uh, I, I don't want to make light of hell at all. It, it's a real place. But I imagine it could be a middle seat on an airplane somewhere. It is just not pleasant. And I'm a, I'm a pretty little guy, so I do okay, but if you're tall and stuff, we don't like these in-between seasons. We don't like in-between things. We don't like getting stuck in the middle. In fact, we'll even say things like this, I don't want to get in between them, right? I don't want to get stuck in the middle of that conversation. You know, to avoid things, we, we use that kind of language. I don't want to get in between their discussion. I don't want to come between them right? We've used these statements before. 
At home, maybe your kids are driving you crazy right now and you do want to come between them. I've been there too. Getting in the middle of things, in between. The truth is, though, I don't want to get in the middle of that. I don't want to get in the middle of that discussion. I don't want to come between them. Sometimes we can use those phrases, I'm between a rock and a hard place. We can say these things because they become sort of an excuse that we can lean on not to take action, not to step up and to do something that God might be asking us to do. We can reconcile it in ourselves and come up with these excuses. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to get in between them, or I don't want to get in between that, or in the middle of that discussion. But thank God that Jesus didn't say that. Thank God that Jesus said, you know what? I will get right in between this humanity that is a mess and between my God, the Father. I'll get right in between that and I will reconcile them to God, the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you saw it fit to get in between a discussion, to get in between a situation, to live life out on this earth in between a rock and a hard place, to take it upon yourself and to sit in that proverbial middle seat that is awful and bring things together. You see, sometimes I think that we're really called to live in between. In between the rock and the hard place. In between two fighting individuals. In between the unsaved in our family and those who know Christ. In between conflict. God has called us to live in between. In fact, that passage in Corinthians speaks to this. Verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And here it is, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation entrusting to us, some translations say, the ministry. It's even more action-oriented, that you're to get involved, to get yourself involved in between. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, this is Paul speaking, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That word ambassadors, again, it speaks to us of living in between. Just think about it for a moment. What was true in the ancient world of ambassadors is still true today. You would go from one society to another. You represent the interests of this country, this society, in that country, in the middle, in between, right? This place over there and that place over there, and you are the ambassador. That is what we are called to do. We are called to live in between. But it's not easy. In fact, it's very difficult, but that is the life that we've signed up for as followers of Christ, and it is a privilege. You see, sometimes I think we think these things are so difficult and hard, and and it's astonishing to us, and it's surprising, but Jesus talked about it. He said in Luke 9, speaking of being uncomfortable, he talked about foxes having holes and things having dens and living in different places, the creepy critter things, and he said the Son of Man, though, speaking of himself, I don't have a place to lay my head. 
You see, sometimes we get caught up in this prosperity thing of, you know, and I believe we should be prosperous in God, but there is balance here. By living in North America, you've heard me say it many times, Faith City, uh, that we are living in the world's top X amount percentage. We are wealthy. We are living in the good life compared to the other 95 or 97%, 98% of the world. We are prosperous. But Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. So, so can I just say it in the nicest terms? What, what are we really talking about? This is not a life of comfort following Jesus Christ. It's a difficult one, but it's worth it because one day Psalm 17 says we will wake up to his image. We will be with him eternally. And that's what it's all about. I mean, really, right? Let's recalibrate ourselves for a moment as you're listening at home and as you're listening here. Let's take a moment now and just recalibrate ourselves to the reality of this life. This life is temporary, the Bible says. It's like a mist. And the promise is, Glenn preached it last week, that he's going to return. And that is the real deal, right? That's the real thing. That's what we're after. But the rest of it, this is a time to do the work of the Lord, the ministry of reconciliation, to let people know about Jesus, to be an ambassador for him. But it's not easy. You're, you're stuck in the middle. Middle seat on the airplane, the middle seat in the van, middle seat right here next to people you don't know. The middle seat. We're living in between, and that's what we're called to do. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said in Matthew 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. He goes on in verse 44. It actually breaks that down, that idea of peacemaking. and says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. The point is that we are called to live in between. And peacemaking means we live in between, bringing people together, bringing people to God. Have you brought anyone to God lately? You know, we can't cause you listening at home, you listening here, I can't cause you to believe, but I can bring you an opportunity to do so. I can't make you, right? That phrase about horses, you guys know I'm so good with animals and things, right? You can take it to the water, but you can't make it drink or something along those lines, right? Now, you're not a horse today. But the truth is, I can't make you do anything. I can't make you believe that's up to you, but I can bring the message to you, right? I can say, here is the message. Be reconciled to God living in between, just like Jesus did. There's something about reconciliation that's important to note. A gentleman by the name of David Garland says this of this passage. He says, reconciliation obliges us to come to terms with the alienation and our responsibility for it. Reconciliation causes us to come to terms, obliges us to come to terms with alienation and our responsibility for it. We must recognize our culpability for the ruptured relationship. What does that mean in the context of the scripture? Well, humanity, we are far off from God. We're broken. We're living in a world of brokenness. And if you wonder why things are so dark and challenging and difficult and violent, and why hatred spews everywhere, we will never find the answer in ourselves. We will find the answer in Jesus, in the gospel, in something beyond ourselves. And that's what this reconciliation is. That's what David Garland is talking about. We need to recognize that. Without recognizing that, why would you ever believe? 
We must recognize our culpability and recognize our responsibility at the part that we play in the rupturing of a relationship. He goes on to say that Paul in this text in Corinthians is not interested in the abstract doctrine of reconciliation, but in the concrete task of reconciliation. That means that we must adopt the status of a servant. That must be active in a ministry of helping and healing. Aren't those nice words, helping and healing? Helping and healing. It sounds like the opposite of a lot of what we see today. We see a lot of darkness, not a whole lot of light at times. We see discouragement. We see sickness, right, all over the world, changing our lives as we, know the, as we knew them forever. We see violence. We see racism so overtly happening and expressed. Sounds like we could need, use some of this healing, some of this helping. If there was only some people that would take a stand and help to reconcile others to God, help to reconcile people to one another. If there was only some people that would stand up like Christ did and say, I'm going to own that ministry of reconciliation. This reminds me, this whole um, discussion reminds me of a passage of Scripture in Numbers. Numbers 16. There's a guy named Aaron. And he's a priest, which means he was close to God and was allowed to be close to God. And there's a guy named Moses, and he's leading this group of people, the Israelites. And they're a bunch of cranky people, and they're always getting into trouble. And in number 16, there's some, some crazy things that go down in that chapter. And you can read it for yourself later on. Some really interesting things, like people getting swallowed up into the earth actually happened. God got so mad that he swallowed them up. He did. That has to do with our, you could say, well, my goodness, how would God do that? And why would he do that? Well, this has to do with the condition of us as humanity being broken and far away from God and, and there needing to be justice. And this is why Jesus had to come and give his life for us. So we had a way back to be reconciled to God. So number 16, there's some crazy things going on in there and you should read about them. And so after these people get swallowed up because they were so awful by God, the Israelites still decide to complain about God. You know, they just saw what God did to these people and the very next day, the text says, the very next day, they start to murmur and complain against Moses. Literally, it says this in Numbers 16, 41, but on the next day, okay, so if I saw some people get swallowed up into the earth, I don't know, I think it might change my behavior just a little bit. I don't know about you, but these guys, they were a stiff-necked people. Verse 46 says this, okay, so you get the picture. There's these people, they're traveling around, trying to get to the promised land. They're upset and cranky because they're in the wilderness. People have just been swallowed up into the earth, and it's the very next day everyone's complaining again. And it says this in verse 46. And Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put fire on it from the altar and lay incense on it and carry it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone out from the Lord and the plague has begun. So Aaron took it, as Moses said, and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between, and he stood between 
the dead and the living and the plague was stopped. So you see what happened is people swallowed up into the earth. And then the next day, they're complaining again. And so the Lord becomes angry again. And so people start to perish. And Moses has such a heart for these people and loves them. And he says to Aaron, his brother, you, you got to go and get this thing and put fire on it. This is how they used to worship and make atonement, okay, in the Old Testament. Go and do that thing and go and get in between them and, and this plague. Place yourself in between the dead and the living. The word atonement speaks to us of reconciliation. When you look at the original languages, what it's talking about there is reconciliation, to make a way for reconciliation to take place between God in this instance and people. And ultimately, this is foreshadowing Jesus coming many thousands of years later and making a way for us to be reconciled to God. And here we have this amazing imagery of Aaron with the censer between the dead and the living Three things I want to share about Aaron and the ministry of reconciliation, which is what I believe we need to be engaged in. If we want to answer the call of reconciliation, we need to be holy like Aaron was holy. Holy like Aaron was holy. I said Aaron was a part of the priesthood. He was a priest. And so he was set apart. That's what holy means set apart for that ministry of priesthood and that ministry in the temple. Did you know that you are a priest? If you are a follower of Christ, you are a priest. You might not have realized that's what you signed up for, but you did. You are too. First Peter 2.9 says this, that we are part of a royal priesthood. You know what? That means that Glenn and I, the other staff team here who have you know, these titles, pastor and all that, it's, it's nice. And, and it is nice that you say those things. Well, it makes our hearts go pitter-patter. But the, the truth is, is we're part of a priesthood together. We're given to the body to equip and to encourage and all of those things, but we are a part of the priesthood together. Gone away is this old system. So we are all set apart for the ministry of reconciliation. So this idea of holy, I want you to think about it as being set apart. Have you been set apart? Have you answered that call? For some of you, maybe you haven't taken that first step to follow Jesus, and you can do that very simply today by just turning over your life to him and just simply saying that, Jesus, I turn my life over to you. And then you can let us know, and we'll help you along in your journey with him but for many of us in this room tonight, I think you need to reaffirm, and for many of you that are watching today, I think we need to reaffirm our call to holiness, to being set apart for the ministry of reconciliation. Now, that might look different for all of us, but we all have a call. You can be sure of that. The second thing that we see here in this story about Aaron, about placing himself in between, the second thing that we see here is that he hurried Moses said, hurry up and get out there and do your thing. Take that censer and get in between the people. And, and then one text says that he moved very quickly. I think it's the New American Standard that talks about him moving quickly, swiftly. I don't know. If you ask my wife if I'm a very swift mover, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty slow. Take my time. Saunter. Take a sip of the coffee, you know, just like to... But the, the kingdom of God... It's about moving. It is about moving. It is, we gotta move, time is getting short again. Glenn preached this last week and we're not in a series, so I'm not connecting to last week, okay? This is not, this is in between message. 
But the truth remains that Glenn talked about Jesus coming back. Time is getting short. We are getting one step closer, right? We're getting one step closer. Our time is running out to make an impact, to live this life of reconciliation, to draw people closer to God, to give them the opportunity to be saved, to impact the world around us, to shine light in the darkness, to bring healing where there's sickness and strife. Time is running short. We got to hurry. It's not time to be indecisive. It's time to hurry. And the voice of the Lord came to Aaron through Moses, and the voice of the Lord is coming to us today over and over and over again. We need to hurry. We need to hurry. We need to get about the ministry of reconciliation. That means we need to get about the call of God that he has for our lives. It says quickly, Moses said to run into the midst. There was an urgency. We know there are plagues circling the globe. We've encountered that this year sickness, but there are things that plague our souls. They can do so much more damage than coronavirus, and I say that with sensitivity in my heart because I know we've lost loved ones. There are people that are gone too soon because of this deadly virus. But people of faith today, faith city, we don't believe life ends there. And if we don't believe life ends there, we must place ourselves in between the dead and the living and bring people to Jesus. And that means you and I, we've got to answer the call of God to see people reconciled. Finally today, it says this in verse 48, and he took a stand between the dead and the living. And he took a stand between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. He stood between them, between the living and the dead. In Aaron's time, there was a thing about <clears throat> cleanliness. A priest had to remain clean, undefiled, sinless. And in that time, things could make him unclean. Touching certain things, touching certain people, death was one of those things. And what's so remarkable in this passage, if you don't hear anything else today at home or here, what's so remarkable about this passage is that Aaron put him in, himself in the place to, to touch and associate with death. Between the living and the dead it was unheard of. But that's what we're called to do. We are called to go to the difficult situations. It might be a situation at home, in your family that is uncomfortable. It might literally be to go and stand between the living and the dead somewhere in the world, being called to mission or to serve in a certain way. Whatever it is, whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, you are called to take that stand. And unless we take those stands, we will continue to see the cycle of violence and death and darkness. And we won't just lose people here. We'll lose them over there. There's so much more to this life than what we see in the here and now. We are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Today, we have the privilege of partaking in communion. And if you're watching at home, I want to give you a moment. Even as I'm speaking, you can go and grab some emblems. That can be some juice or some kind of liquid drink, soda, whatever. I don't mean to be uh, 
irreverent, but it really can be anything because it's a representation of Jesus' blood. So you grab something and God can work through it. You grab something that'll represent his body, some bread or a cracker, a wafer. You get those things and while you do that, I'm gonna invite us all here and those listening at home to take a moment to contemplate this message. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me at home and here and just think for a moment. Aaron, he was holy. Aaron, he was hurried, he was in a hurry. And Aaron, he took a stand. In those three different areas, can you evaluate and examine your life? The Bible says that as we approach the table of the Lord, we must examine ourselves. Would you examine your heart today? There is so much room for me to grow in these areas. I wonder about you. Perhaps the Lord is dropping a face into your mind's eye today someone that you need to be reconciled to. Or maybe the Lord is showing you a situation that you need to be active in with the ministry of reconciliation. Maybe it's in this conversation of racism that is uh, overtaking us these days, which is a, a good thing that we're talking about and a horrible thing that we're seeing so much of it. But maybe you're called to take a stand. Perhaps that's what the Lord is convicting you about. Maybe it's sin in your life and habits and situations, whatever it is, holiness urgency, being hurried for the things of God, taking a stand. I believe the Lord will help you today. And I believe this moment as we break bread and observe communion can be a fresh start for you. The Bible says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Let's partake of the bread today and remember the provision we have through Jesus Christ. In the same manner, it says that he took the cup and he said that this cup represents the new covenant sealed with his blood. So fascinating to me always that around that table during that Last Supper were the disciples, those whom he loved, but was also the one who would betray him. Jesus even washed his feet. What an example of service. What an example of heart for reconciliation. What an example to us today. Let's partake of the cup together. Now, Lord, I pray for these wonderful people who are tuning into this service, God, from wherever they are, whenever they are. Your word is true. Your word is sound. Your word is powerful. And today, God, we stand upon your word that says we need to engage in this ministry of reconciliation. And we know that when we do, you will be right there with us to provide, to sustain us, to help us. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that as the folks in this room, as the folks at home step up 
to cause reconciliation to happen as they take a stand like Aaron stood, as they set themselves apart to be holy, as they hurry with a sense of urgency that God, you would step in by the power of your Holy Spirit and work miracles and do great things, God, and draw many close to you. I bless your people today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.